Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I don't know what sets me apart from other musical directors, but I just know what I add and what I try to, you know, have as value is just like everything just sounds big. I want it to be a movie. I want you to listen to Still Dre and think you at Jurassic Park. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to play Diamonds and I want it to feel like it. you literally are rolling through Wakanda. Back in that, back in that bag again. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, what's up? We're back with another episode of Making the Boss, and this time I speak to special guest Adam Blackstone. The famed musician and highly respected musical director to the biggest stars in the business, from Beyonce, Janet Jackson, Jay-Z, Rihanna, Justin Timberlake, and so many more, talked his artistry, directing some of the most iconic performances of our time, what he's taught recording artists and vice versa, and gives advice to young musicians on the come up. Listen here. Hi, Adam. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Great. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Like, you're my number one person I've been trying to get for like a couple months now. Don't hype hype me up. Don't hype me up. (laughs) No, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. I really appreciate it. All good. It's all good. Okay, cool. So we can get started. First off, again, welcome to my podcast. It's where I interview different people in sports and entertainment, you know, about their careers and backgrounds and, you know, basically get a feel of how they got to where they are today. So um, first off, can you describe like how exactly you you got your start in music? For sure. Um, Growing up in church, for sure, my father was is even still a church organist and it would be what we call today like a wedding band you know singer he would do church weddings bar mitzvahs plays banquets all of that and so i saw um that growing up my my mom sang in the church choir my uncles and aunties were all in church uh so music has been a big part of my life for a long time and and it wasn't until i reached um early teenage years that I really formed the idea of like entrepreneurship, you know what I'm saying? And I, which I think is very, is pushed today heavily, but it wasn't back in, you know, 1980s, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, it made it really cool for my dad to have had made that switch from a, a, a factory worker to a full-time musician. And not that he has done it on a super, super global level, but he provided for our family. And I think that it allowed me to have the sensibility to say, oh, I can do this, too. You know what I mean? So um, at a very young age, I you know, picked up drums and then picked up piano and organ from church and then went on to school to play bass guitar. And, you know, here I am. That's really great. How has your father influenced you? Like, what are some lessons that he taught you about music? Uh, I, I think one of the 
interesting things that he taught me about music is that like we shouldn't put ourselves in a box. You know what I mean? Here he is, this black man, and he would have to go play country gigs. He would have to go play bar mitzvahs and, and learn some other songs like the Hava and Aguilas. And, you know, then he would go do a backyard barbecue and play electric slide. Like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> uh, I think he showed me early that, you know, don't put yourself in the box. It's cool to, you know, love all types of music, you know, genres, but genres really just a, a word to try to put us all in a box. You know what I mean? So that was cool. Mm-hmm. I took that lesson and kind of ran with it because I, I love pop music. I love country music. I love hip hop, obviously. I love R&B. I love gospel. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything is, you know, I feel like I'm all encompassing. Yeah. I was going to ask you um, what your favorite genre of music was or is still. So. Yeah. I You know, I would say that I'm a, r&b guy you know yeah. <laughs> i used to, to fall but you know gospel is permeated r&b and my soul you know from the beginning so you know it's, it's that's really close second but i used to i used to fall asleep to jodeci on my ear and my headphones <laughs> and fall asleep to brandy and fall asleep to you know a, a bunch of the 90s r&b you know Aaliyah and stuff like that escape you know what i mean so I, i'm a i'm a r&b head for sure Mm-hmm. Would you say that music is therapeutic for you? Hell yes. Music <laughs> helps heal. You know, you could have a rough day and um, put on one of your favorite songs or even like, you know, depending on your mood, put on some Miles Davis and it just, you know, really calms you down. Or if you're upset, you know, I remember being um, getting in trouble as a kid and it's like your parents like go to your room. <laughs> and I was like, as soon as I got my boombox, I was cool. It's like you're not you're not taking me away. <laughs> you're not taking me away from them. I get to listen to the radio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, music has the power to heal, to help, to soothe. It makes you laugh, it makes you cry. Um, music is so powerful and I I'm I'm thankful for the gift of music in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually when I was little, I was actually in my elementary school band and I was the lead flautist. Okay. And then I also taught myself the piano and the guitar as well. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I haven't played in a while, but, you know, I'm a little rusty, but definitely, like, I could see how music, you know, it could be a great release for people who, you for know, sure. want to express, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think yeah. that, um, you know, yeah, we, we have to have that form of, of that outlet as well, you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you also study music in college as well? I did. I went to school on a full scholarship to University of the Arts in Philadelphia. Uh, So growing up in Jersey, I played music all through school, marching band, jazz band, all of that. And then went to University of the Arts in Philly, moved to Philadelphia, and that changed my life straight up. Like the culture in the city, the brotherhood literally in the city. Um, my teachers still today are some of my friends who like play on my albums, you know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. And then, uh, moving to Philadelphia allowed me also to gain culture and see black excellence, uh, specifically in arts and entertainment. And, uh, I met the roots in 2002 and that was, a, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history, you know, I yeah. changed my life. Uh, so. Wow. Yeah. So you started touring right after school. Like, how was that experience to be so new and just like, you know, in touring? 
Um, it was it was cool. I remember, you know, getting telling my mom I'm getting to travel the world and play music and get paid for it, you know. Um, but it also was challenging because um in a weird weird way i never put a ceiling on what it is i wanted to do which has helped me still to this day it was like my first tour i wasn't content with that i was like yo i want to do this next and then that second tour made me want to push to do this and then one of my first big shows was jay-z fade black it was like you know uh quest love was the md i was just a bass player but i met all these people at madison square garden and through rehearsal process just blaze puff daddy Kanye West, Dame, and Beyonce, young Beyonce, and Mary, and you know what I'm saying? Like, all of these people playing with Jay that I went on to then have relationships with in the music industry, uh, and all of that matters, you know what I'm saying? Like, being memorable, being a nice person, being humble, you never know when you're going to need that person or see that person again. And um, so, um, the touring helped me realize that each gig was the audition for the next big gig. Some people get on their first tour and become content with what that is. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's a stepping stone to the next thing. Yeah. So like what mistakes did you make on that first tour that you wanted to get better at in your second, third tour? So many mistakes, so many (laughs) mistakes, uh, tardiness, Mm-hmm. Uh, I cleaned that up. You know, little things like even what you're eating on the road. You know what I mean? Um, I was younger then. I got to, I got to, you know, have a uh, a sense of uh, youthfulness for eating wrong. You know what I mean? And not think anything was going to happen. Uh, another mistake that I think I made was, um, you know, not inserting myself at times into situations where I thought what I thought was best for uh for the music and that didn't happen again after I made that mistake on the first tour and made some musical decisions that I felt like shouldn't have been made just because I had my mouth closed um I never did that again and that's how I kind of got the role of musical director Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a great segue I want to ask you how did you go from you know being on tour and you know performing music to being a director yeah I you know early on it just started as me having an opinion about the music you know and a strong opinion because I, I I was a studier of music and all of that but then it also began with me caring a little bit more about the little detailed things, whether that be me going to a choreography rehearsal or me sending the music to the lighting guy. So I'd be like, hey, I put these breaks and these hits in. I think the light should hit with us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, or if it was me sitting in the studio with the artist saying, you know, what is the vision? What is your story that you want to tell live on stage based off of what this music is doing in the studio? It's, it's kind of two different worlds, you know? So mm-hmm. me translating that studio world to a live audience and um you know artists began to trust me and my vision uh because i had their best interest at heart right so exactly what does an editorial music director do exactly what are the day-to-day the tasks yeah that's a good question i do everything live music oriented so it's like from hiring the band to scheduling rehearsals to arranging to composing interludes to you know, make building a strong set list that's memorable for the for the listener. Um, and then I said again, going to choreography rehearsal with music sketches, going to 
um, you know, lighting and, and, and content creation meetings and stuff like that. So it's a lot of non-music for a musical director. <laughs> and that's the higher up you go, honestly. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I'm blessed to do the Oscars and the Grammys and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, music plays a huge important role, but they also have a television show to make too. So it all works cohesively together. I need to make sure that I'm on the same page at all times with our visual producers as well. Mm-hmm. Did you know that a musical director was a job per se when you started touring or you just seems like you I just fell not. into it? <laughs> I, did not. I did not. That's a great question, too. I did not. I think, you know, honestly, looking at my dad, he was the first musical director that I saw because he curated his own set in this. You know what I mean? And that was based off of vibe in the room. But then when I saw what I married Questlove, uh, I'm sorry, what I saw I married Questlove do to curate a set and to talk to the artist and to talk to Jay and Jay giving him ideas and he's putting it together. That's when I was like, oh, this is a powerful position that kind of needs a bulk of teamwork um, that allows the artist's vision to shine through. And I was all about that. I said, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so who are some um, recording artists that you've worked with in your career? That I've worked with? Yes. Oof. A lot. You got time? <laughs> the whole industry. <laughs> yeah, then that's a blessing. That's not a flex. That's a blessing for sure. But, you know, early on, Jay-Z, Kanye, Janet Jackson, uh, Music Soul Child, Jill Scott, Demi Lovato, Justin Timberlake, the Jonas Brothers, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick, Eminem, uh, Queen Latifah. You know, it's a, it's a lot. Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Rascal Flatts, uh, Drake. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot. I've I've touched the I've touched the, a few of those stages. Mm-hmm. So, what are some major shows? I know you also did the Super Bowl last year, right? Is I did the true? last four Super Bowls. Oh wow! Yeah. How? how- Wow, that's that's intense. Yeah, <laughs> how how so did those I did, come about? I did Rihanna's this one, twenty twenty three. I did Doctor Dre and Snoop Dogg, twenty two. I did Shakira and J Lo, uh, mm-hmm. two thousand and twenty, and then I did Justin Timberlake in twenty eighteen. Wow, how did those like what goes into creating the Super Bowl that millions of people are gonna look at? That seems like a lot of pressure. It's a huge task. <laughs> For a short period of time, you know, they only give you 13 minutes on the Super Bowl because we're literally forcing our concert into a a sporting event. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So it's very intense. It starts months and months and months ahead. Maybe like right before Thanksgiving, I start to prep for that February show. Um, Okay. And it starts with me sitting down with the artist saying, what is the vision? What is the story you're trying to tell in this 13 minutes? And then depending on the artist, it's like, what songs are we going to not do? Right. Um, And then that always is a battle, which is why we end up having, you know, 30 and 40 different set lists before we. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. 
Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Actually hit the stage because, you know, I want to make sure as a viewer of the Super Bowl, you get your favorite song, you get your favorite moment, and it's not missed. So that's my job to curate that with the artists and, and make sure that all songs are touched that are people's favorites. We all have different favorite songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And you also won your first Emmy for the Dre one, right? I did. How was that? Where were you when you heard that news? <laughs> When I won or when I was nominated? When you won. When I won, I was at the Emmys. I walked up there and got oh. there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I when I won, me, okay. me, me and my wife attended the Emmys this year, last year. Um, and yeah, they called my name and, and I won. And it was amazing. It was amazing. So um, I'm yeah. up for two this year as well. Okay. In the same category again but two different ones and and so i'm excited i want to win again that's super dope so for the artists that you work with um for their performances what mm-hmm. exactly is the adam blackstone touch that you do that sets you apart from other musical directors that's a good question i don't know what sets me apart from other musical directors but i just know what i add and what i try to you know have as value is just like everything just sounds big. I want it to be a movie. I want you to listen to Still Dre and think you at Jurassic Park. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to play diamonds and I want it to feel like it. you literally are rolling through Wakanda. Like, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm, yeah. I'm, I'm taking on that mentality for, excuse me, for a very long time to just make the music sound bigger than what it is on the radio because it can't translate like that something on the radio. But as you watch a concert, you can actually be able to see and feel, um, you know, those elements that I'm adding in. So I would say that's what sets me apart in my BBE sound because I've spawned a lot of young MDs who are just coming up and being great, but they know my vibe now too, which is, you know, big hits, big strings, big or- orchestra things and, um, you know, very much a sonic palette of originality meets classic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So I guess what are some lessons that you've taught artists and vice versa? What are some lessons that they've taught you as you both, you know, work together? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, Something that an artist has taught me is trust myself you know they hired me for a reason so like don't second guess my don't second guess my my thought and then i would say i've teach young art i teach young artists again trust yourself 
Uh, I read something the other day that said, you know, authenticity is what's really going to move the people. And so if you continue, if I try to chase another MD or chase a sound or if the artist that I'm working with is trying to chase an artist, it's like, that's not really who you are. You know, be you at all times. You're hired there for a reason. So that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Has there ever been a performance that almost went wrong, but you had to think on your feet and, you know, fix it? <laughs> There's been several performances that I pride <laughs> myself on the audience did not know. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one was um, Bad Boy Reunion Tour. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Mace had not entered the building yet. and His song was coming up, so I had to make a decision, like, leave his verse in, leave it out. But we were already playing the song. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was one snafu that could have happened, but it did. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one, um, you know, I, I I learned from my Kanye days where it was just like, just be prepared for anything. So it could have been, you know, him doing an extra verse that wasn't in, but he felt it in the moment. So we would have to play live underneath him. Um, mm-hmm. It could be him, you know, adding these, you know, what what is not random now, but random Tycho drums on like a song like Love Lockdown. I'd be like, what is this? And he's like, trust me. He was like, just play the 808 and just let it rock. I was like, okay. So we'd be like, boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. And I'd be like, he he got it. Because <laughs> I, you know, as a natural band guy, I want to put piano and guitar and drums. Yeah. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, let me let this message through with just these you know the minimalism so um and again that that actually speaks to trusting himself you know what i'm saying and and me trusting him to convey it to us as a squad so yeah i was gonna ask because you know the work that you do it's very intense you know a lot of people are counting on you to help you know make their show as great as possible um, but starting out, speaking of like self-doubt, did you ever feel imposter syndrome in a way or felt like, you know, you were maybe in over your head a little bit? How did you overcome I, I those? I still feel like that at times today, yo. Really? It's, 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 yeah, I think I get nervous. And, and to me, I, I realized that nerves mean I care. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? If I wasn't nervous or anxious about the gig that's coming up or walking to the stage, that means like, you know. There's nothing, you know, I, I don't have any stake in the game, but I, I still get nervous. I still get very um, wanting it, everything to be right. Me, me over analyzing, me checking on different department heads and, you mm-hmm. know, making sure everybody's good. So, yeah, I, I you can go through self-doubt as a musician at all times, but um, it's really about forging your own. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. get your own sound developed. You know, I, I, I also say, self-doubt starts when you're not doing what you want to do so it's like if you can't go play for kendrick lamar or eminem or jay-z it's like you know find that next person that who you feel is that and and develop them mm-hmm. i like that yeah okay that's a great segue let's get into your basic um black entertainment company what yeah. exactly what services do you guys do there basic black entertainment is a company started by me and my wife kaisha blackstone uh, approximately 2010, 2010, yeah. And um, we started as a fully music staffing agency. I, I started, you know, get, getting name recognition as a musical director, and then people were calling me, and I, it was just like I couldn't do everything. 
but yeah. they they wanted my hand in it enough where it was like they trusted what was going on you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so uh if i recommended it so um we started bbe to then send drummers and guitar players and different keyboard players and programmers and stuff out on these tours um when we then signed a few artists later on we transitioned and still do we still do the staffing but like also transitioning now to a record label Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. That's super cool. So, okay, let's get into that for sure. But before we do, how do you get or how do you hire people or musicians to come on? Do they have to audition? Like, what's the process for that? Um, Auditioning is cool. But right now, because my my sound is so what it is, I get referrals from people that I trust. Okay. You know, my main two, three, four keyboard players is like, yo, I can't be there, but I have a guy. He knows what we, you know, he knows what we do. It's like, I, I trust that. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen like that. I might um, do an audition or I might put a filler out and then say, hey, bring some music to me for you to learn. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really it. And then, you know, if I can be completely honest with you integrity matters character matters and so no matter what the skill set is it's like i can teach skill i can't teach you know good good character good morals and character so you know i'm yeah. the, I'm, a, I'm the guy that's looking for the person that wants to just work and be integral mm -hmm. yeah. when you take someone who has more drive more drive than someone who maybe isn't the best musician yet and you can you know train them to be I, I actually personally would, yes. I think that talent um, can only get you so far. You know what I mean? If the person is really intentional with getting better and they want to get better, you know, I, I'm down for that as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I guess, so I, I have a theory that, you know, a lot of young people who love music and who may aspire to get into the industry, you know, they only think about, you know, the Rihanna's and the Jay-Z's people who sing and rap. But I don't think many people know about the musicians behind the scenes that are, you know, making the shows and putting on the performances, like, you know, the musicals, directors, supervisors. Would you agree mm -hmm. with that? Yeah, but social media has made it more and more accessible to see the guitar player because they got their camera phone up to see the drummer. You know what I mean? So that's that's a cool thing about it. But at the same time, I was very content with being behind the scenes. It's kind of was like the people who need to know really know. You know what I'm saying? Because you know that camera spotlight or the or knowing what it is can really get you caught up as well to maybe possibly not do the best job possible because you have eyes on you. Um, so you just got to be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who are all the people that you bring on? I know you do the directors. Do you also do singers, um, yeah, musical hiring, supervisors? When, yeah. When I'm hiring bands for all of my shows, it's everybody, the background singer, the programmer, the monitor guy, the front of house sound, uh, the computer engineer, the techs who are setting up the gear. Um, there's so many jobs, man, for young people that I'm super excited to try to bring to the forefront to, for them to know if you don't play the drums, if you don't play the bass or the guitar, it's okay. You can still be in our industry. Mm -hmm. Do you have to know how to play an instrument to work in music? I know that probably makes no sense, but. <laughs> no, I, I, it's so funny. Like, you know, 
No, you don't. There are plenty of engineers who have turned into producers for sure, and they don't know they're, you know, an instrument per se. Um, mm-hmm. but they know how to step, what we call step record, which is like drawing the lines and putting the drum uh-huh. and putting the chord together based off of a, a eye thing. So, it's all, you know, music is all patterns anyway. So if you draw the pattern in or I play the pattern, it's still a pattern. Right. Okay, so for a new person who wants to get into the industry, what are some footsteps or what are some things they have to do um, in order to, you know, get a good foundation and get started? Yeah, I would say take over at your local level, for sure. Uh, When I moved to Philadelphia, I was doing everything from um, jazz clubs to restaurants to churches just to be seen. You know what I mean? The other thing that I would remind a young person I said earlier is that the gig that you're on now, no matter what it is, it's your audition to the next big thing. Quick story, I, I, there, I went to church to visit my then fiance, uh, and there was a drummer on at her church. She went to one of these mega churches. I went to a little bitty itty church in the corner. So it, it felt like a concert in there, you know what I'm saying? And so I was listening to the drummer. I'm like, yo, he is killing this church music, and it's like translating. You know, I can hear it. I was like... I should try him on something outside of church, which he had never really done, you know, on the road. And to this day, he remains one of my great friends and just did last year's Super Bowl with me with Dr. Dre. So I, I kind of found him, you know what I'm saying, like in church. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So what are th- what are like three skills aside from, you know, having ambition, but what are three skills that newcomers need to have in order to pursue what you do got you yep three skills are be on time Mm -hmm. uh, be communicative and also Mm -hmm. remain humble at all times character morals have them Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. because that means more than you know talent to me yes for sure yeah yeah so um, what's something that they should be prepared for like what's something that shocked you the lack of integrity sometimes in the <laughs> industry, you know what I'm saying? That shocked mm-hmm. me. Um, the, the, the lack of skill set. You would think that people who are super duper on top have it all together musically, and they don't. And then another thing that shocked me is the lack of mental knowledge for what people are doing. Because, you know, if you have um, mental illness or a disease or something like that, it's kind of like, you know, people who don't have to deal with that wouldn't know how to treat you and or have you help you function. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about being aware of your surroundings to put everybody in a winning position so that whatever they're going through um, in their mind or in their hearts, in their bodies, is not affected by the music. Right, right. So where do you see your company in the next like three to five years? What are the goals you have for it? Yeah, I would love to produce films, produce television. Um, I see us being an EGOT winner for sure. I got the Grammy. I got the Emmy. I'm working on the Tony. I just scored Alicia Keys' Hell's Kitchen play, which we have opening night now, November 19th. Excited about that. So, you know, hopefully the Tony happens and, and then, you know, we'll see about the Oscar with making films. So, you know, um, the trajectory is super high. Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. And do you only bring on people 
in America. Or if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Do you have like international um, musicians for different international tours? It just depends on just... the gig. I have a couple of different things. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so do you see yourself teaching like a music course or a program one day? Possibly, yeah. Me and my wife actually talked about we're opening up a school. Oh, good. Yeah, so I'm excited about that too once that comes. You know, we're a little busy right now, but it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be in Philly or like yeah, Delaware, Phil- Delaware, Philadelphia area, preferably. Okay. Cool. Um Okay, so a few more questions. Um, I, I know I, I have to get ready to go at two thirty, but okay, okay. But I'm gonna stay okay. on. I'm staying on as long as I can until they hit me. Uh, okay, are we live? So we, no, no, no. Oh yeah, not. I have to go to Beyonce. I have to go to Beyonce rehearsal. Okay, okay. I'll just ask you like one more question, one or two then. Okay. Um, so after you know you dropped you dropped your album last year. For legacy, the, legacy, legacy. Yeah, yeah. How was that on um, releasing your debut album after years of being in the industry? Nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but such a blessing, such a uh, a a um, eye opening experience for me. And then it touched people. People told me they were moved by it. And when you do music for yourself, it's a whole different beast because you're sensitive. Like Erica said, I'm sensitive about my ish, <laughs> but. Um, going through the pandemic, I lost some people. We all did. We lost some friends, family. And I was like, man, I don't want to leave this earth with a laptop full of ideas or in my mind or in my computer. Uh, I buckled down. I wanted to give my children something that they could have their name on and ownership, like watching me with Justin and Puff and, and Dr. Dre and Rihanna is all cool, but like what happens when those moments go away? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. th- this is what my kids have to live forward, look, have to look forward to. And then also, um, yeah, I-, I wanted to leave a legacy that, you know, I forged the path for up and coming musical directors or musicians that they can now go do their own thing as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And Obama put you on his list too for Around Midnight. That's that was my there. boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So my last question to you would be, what is your definition of a boss? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, a boss is somebody that can lead, but also listen. Our, our greatest leaders have teams around them that sometimes are even smarter than them. You know what I mean? We just mentioned Obama. It's like he has a whole staff. Uh, I look at, you know, a boxer, right? You know what I mean? Who is the boss of what they do, but they have a training staff and they, you know, they hire people, uh, artists, hire managers and business managers and stuff like that. But they're the boss, essentially. And so I look at the boss as being an incredible leader, you know, um, showing showing how it should be done with integrity, but also being able to lead and to follow um, by receiving the information and learning the information from teams around them. You know, I never like to be the brightest in the room because that means my ceiling is, has peaked mm-hmm. in that moment. And I don't want it to peak. I want to learn something new every day 
and um, you know, continue to try to, you know, be a blessing to people through music. Right. Okay, well thanks, Adam. I really, really appreciate you. you speaking to me. No doubt. I got you. Thank you so much for having me, yo. No problem. Thanks. Right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Back in that back in that bag again. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making the Boss. Trust me, there's a lot more where that came from, so be sure to keep it locked for more shows coming soon. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Aisha Thorpe and on IG at beauty underscore marked. That's M-A-R-K-E-D 92. Talk soon, my bosses and bosses in the making. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.